Don't you wish that you could be a fly on the wall in a successful online music studio? You understand how the teacher navigates the lessons, how the teacher creates their online curriculum, how the teacher interacts and engages with students, both in real time and asynchronously. That is what we're talking about today here on the Music Teachers Expand Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and let's get right to it. Whether you came to teaching online because you wanted to, or because it was the only option available to you, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that you are thinking about what else you can do and how you can do things better. So for today's episode, I really wanted to give that outside perspective, that fly on the wall view of that successful music teacher that you are putting on a little bit of a pedestal and maybe bringing it down to a place where you feel like, oh, I can do that too. So I'm going to break this down into two areas. The first one is the live interaction where you are actually in front of the screen in real time with your students. And the second one is the whole curriculum development and interacting, engaging with asynchronous students. Okay, let's get right into it then. Before the lesson even begins, when someone is teaching online, the first thing that they are going to do is get organized. They are going to know where their camera or cameras are. They are going to know where their microphone is. They are going to understand that technology equipment. So where's the computer? Where's the fan on that computer to make sure that it's far enough away from the microphone? Um, And if they need lighting, where is the lighting? And let's not forget whether or not we need to make sure that we are wearing headphones. That is... uh, And let's not forget headphones because somehow those always seem to get forgotten, whether you wear earbuds, wireless headphones, or um, full over-the-head headphones. That's completely up to you. My recommendation is always go with wired over wireless and also proximity to router and internet strength. Those kinds of things. So like the physical space, making sure that all the technology is working in that space. That is job number one, we want to have a checklist for that. The second part of that is the equipment and the supplies for actually running the lesson. So this means your instrument, this means sheet music, this means workbooks, this means games, this means everything that you want to be able to display on screen or through the camera, as well as what you want to be presenting orally, you know, so through the microphone or of course MIDI and things like that through the speakers on the other side for the student. That's your equipment and supplies to actually run the lesson. And now we have our equipment and supplies to run the lesson. The next thing is making sure that your student is ready. And oftentimes this is done prior to the lesson or during your intro sessions or things like that, where you provide them with a checklist so that they are ready to show up to that lesson. Just like when someone comes to your studio or you go to their home, that you expect them to have the method book with them 
or the sheet music um, and their instrument and things like that, we want to be able to make sure that that lesson is going to go off without a hitch. So checklists and timelines and making sure that the student has the right link, all of that stuff, that is part of your pre-work. And being that I am the fly on the wall, I am noticing that you have automated the pre-work. You may realize that your students respond really well to text messages or to emails, one or the other or both. And this teacher is going to set up automations that have reminders that here is your checklist of items to bring to the lesson. Here is the link. We can never remind people too many times, as long as it's positive, as long as it is encouraging and it shares excitement. Okay? Now, to actually give that lesson, we're not winging it. That teacher who has a successful online live interactive program is not winging it. They aren't saying, okay, we're going to start with scales and then we're going to go to this and then we're going to go to this. They have gotten a lot more granular in their lesson scheduling because the screen adds a barrier. And when we can eliminate that screen as a barrier by having logical transitions between one thing and the next, we keep our students excited. We want them to kind of expect to know what's going on in the lesson, but also for there to be constant change and movement and, you know, shuffling the routine a little bit. So yeah, I do think that online live lessons need to have a more scheduled schedule not down to the minute, not say, okay, we're going to do scales for 53 seconds and then we're going to go on to this. No, it doesn't have to be that. It's okay. The first five or so minutes, I'm going to focus on this and then I'm going to throw in a game or I'm going to throw in a whiteboard activity or I'm going to throw in this, that, whatever else. And then we're going to go to this next learning concept, teaching concept, listening concept, whatever it might be. So, of course, we want to always make sure that there is time to wrap up an online lesson and close it down so that the student knows what they're practicing and working on and what they've learned and things like that. So having a recap at the end, you may or may not want to include that in a post-lesson summary. If you're using a tool like Musi, then maybe that goes into the student's practice room so that they have that available to them. And in fact, that to-do list or that setup list, that could also be in Musi practice room. If you aren't using Musi yet and you are doing online lessons live and interactive, definitely give it a shot. This episode is not sponsored by Musi. I just love what they're doing over there and any chance I can give to shout them out, I am happy to do so. That is our fly on the wall view of a teacher who is successfully running online live interactive lessons. It could be a one-on-one -on -one lessons. It could be two-on-one. It could be siblings. It could be different people. It could be small group. But the overarching element of this is that it is interactive and in real time. Now let's switch over to 
my personal favorite and what I love to work on with my clients, which is the curriculum development, the online courses, working with asynchronous students. What this means is that they are not in front of the screen working with you in real time. They are working through your material on their own. But that doesn't mean that there is no interaction with you. So rather than going through all the curriculum development and nuances of that, I think for the purposes of this fly on the wall type vantage point, I want to talk about the touch points, how you interact with that student before, during, and after they go through your course. Essentially, the before is from the time that they purchase your course through the time that they access that first lesson. This could be like a minute, this could be a week, this could be any length of time. It really depends on where you are. It could even be two months. I have a client who actually pre-sold a course six months, five months, six months before the course was ready. So this is that period of time. How do we get that student ready for the first lesson? Again, the lesson is pre-recorded. The content is coming through as a video and likely it's going to have some sheet music or some PDFs or some audio files. It's going to have multiple facets. It's not just going to be a video that they watch and then they do things. There's going to be multiple pieces in this lesson. So we want to, in that early stage, help them understand what they have signed up for. We can do that via email. We can do that via text message. We can do that inside a Facebook group, a Slack channel, a Discord channel. I could probably go on and on and list out all the different tech tools you could be using. But suffice it to say, you want to make sure that your students feel like you are in communication with them and that you are giving the best of you to them so that they can truly do their best. Okay? So there is no such thing as too much communication, too much pre-work, too much setup. Just like with our live lessons, we want to be setting expectations, letting them know what equipment they're going to need, how they're going to access the content, any links that they need, what they need to do if there's a problem, those kinds of things. And always, always, always make sure that they have their login information. I believe that the login URL is one of those things that you can never send too many times. I send that to our Elevate students in every communication. Here's the link to the Elevate portal. It's simple to do that. Really just simple to do it and so, so necessary because we want to make this easy. We want them to easily be able to access the content. Now, when they are in course and going through your material, you may build in some quizzes, some assignments, some surveys, some feedback loops. Fantastic. I love it. I have a client who builds in a weekly assignment and every single week, her students turn in their video assignment and she provides feedback. So her interaction with the students is on a weekly basis is just not in real time. They get 
her perspective. They get her listening to them, playing the music, working through her material. But again, it's not in real time. So she batches that. She has every single Thursday is her day to process through the assignments from her students. And that is how she has built this online course. If you don't have assignments or you don't feel that your students need you as feedback, we still want to make it feel like you're there to support them because you really are. So having um, office hours or Q&A calls, however you want to call them, you could do those once a month. Again, we could use a Facebook group. We could do a Facebook Live inside that Facebook group where people can post their questions in the chat and you can respond to them in real time. There are a lot of ways to interact with the students. And I encourage you, to build that into the course, build that into your curriculum, build that interaction with your asynchronous students into what they get. Music is not created in a vacuum. It is created through energy. I know that sounds so like, I don't even know what the word is, not brazen or cliche. I'm not even sure exactly what the word is. So if you know what the word is, let me know over on Instagram. I'm at Jamie Slutsky. But what I'm really trying to say is when your students feel like you are pouring energy into them by providing them with feedback, by providing them with a space where they can experiment, they are going to continue. They are going to succeed. Now, that is all like inside the course. One of the biggest things that we are going to want to make sure we're doing when we have students asynchronously is provide them with reminders to come back to their content. If all of their content is available at once, you want to periodically remind them. You can do this through an automated system or you can just go in and see, okay, it's been four days since they last logged in. Let me send them a quick email. And if you drip your content on a weekly basis, definitely set up a drip schedule inside of ConvertKit, which lets them know that new content is available. What I really like about drip content and the emails that go with it is that you are like planting seeds in that email that get them excited to click the link and to go and go through that lesson and learn that material and start on the next practice cycle and to go back and make sure that they feel really confident with the previous lesson and things like that. And we want to do this throughout the course, not just in the first one or two weeks, but every single week that they are going through the material. It's up to you how long they have access to the material. It's up to you how long the course is supposed to last. But showing up inside their inbox keeps you top of mind, keeps the course top of mind, keeps them feeling like you care, right? And the final place that we really want to interact with our asynchronous students is after they're done. Now, of course, a student might go through all of your material right on schedule. And those are the easy ones. Those are the ones that are like, okay, I want a testimonial from you. I want to close the loop. I want to help you figure out what's next. Those kinds of things. Students who take a little bit longer, we want to encourage them to keep going. And we also want to get their feedback. We want to get their testimonial. We want to engage with them and help them see what opportunities they have afforded for themselves because they invested their time and money and energy 
into this course. So at the end of your course, again, this can be automated or it can be done manually. Ask for a testimonial, ask for feedback, provide them with a survey link, send them a congratulations. If you want, send them a certificate of completion. The sky is absolutely the limit. The key is to handle them and treat them as if they are your most precious student. Yeah, you might have 50 of these most precious students. You might have 400 of these most precious students. Everyone wants to feel like one person, like they don't get lost in the crowd. So there's a few things that we can do to really help them see that you appreciate them and that you're proud of their progress. Make a big deal about it. It's not a lot of work from your side and it is so well received on the other side. And this, let me tell you, is also one of the best ways to use that word of mouth referral engine is by helping someone feel like you really care. And here we are at the end of episode number 239, which means that there are 238 back episodes of the podcast. Scroll back in your podcast app and take a listen to another one that piques your interest. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe or follow button right now inside of your podcast app so that next week when I bring you another great interview, it'll drop right in and you don't have to go searching for it. And take a look at the links in the show notes. I've got some great stuff for you there. Okay, have a great day and I will be back with that interview for you next week.